Hi, um, welcome to our podcast, our very first podcast uh, called Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on. <laughs> um, our podcast is basically just talking about various different topics, um, you know, so, including science, history, um, and probably some other random stuff. And we break it down with philosophical theories, um, history, some facts, some knowledge that we know of, and yeah. So uh, we, we just thought it would be kind of interesting if we uh, kind of started talking about uh, a couple different things. Uh, we're both pretty educated, um, and not to be egotistical, but we both, you know, take um, a lot of college classes, and um, so like we like to spend different takes on the world and and use our education um, to kind of feel those topics, and, and then we kind of like to to play on theoretical um, portions of those uh, experiences and uh, learned thoughts. So we thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about AI technology. It's it's kind of something. That's... Well, hang on, hang on. Before we go into our topic of the day. Let's talk about our intro about ourselves and why we start this podcast. Well, um, what you does go ahead. well what does our title mean? You came up with it, Alpha and the Omega. Some some of our listeners don't know what that means. Why did we choose it? Uh, so, Alpha and the Omega it, it kind of is a is a spin on religion, not uh, not to confuse us with being. Uh, really religious based or anything like that um, but it's it's a spin on you know the I am I was I will be um, it's a spin from you know from the beginning to the end and uh, it, it's kind of a two based kind of thing because we'll, we'll talk about anything from A to Z in the alphabet kind of idea and it's also like we like to take a spin on looking at like the beginnings of origins and to the end of where they might possibly end us so it has a two part kind of fold of you know, from the alpha to the omega, from the A to the Z, the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is our podcast, Alpha to the Omega, uh, with here Taylor and Alex. So let's get this started. So I guess today's topic will start with AIs. So I mean, it's just something that's that's pretty popular right now, and um, I think it's going to continue to to gain popularity. But it's an interesting topic because a lot of things with the advancements in AI technology, with um, free thinking bots, there's a lot of fear, and there's always been fear. I mean, ever since like the '80s when you know the movie Terminator came out, there's always been the fear. You know, you have Terminator, I, uh, I am robot. Um, you have Cappy. that robot from um, from Aliens. You have the um, the recent robots from this recent video game. I can't put my head on it but it was actually a pretty phenomenal video game about you know AI robots having personalities emotions and feelings on their own yeah and and you know with with these uh, advancements and everything there's always that fear that robots will take over humanity will take over the earth and uh, will ultimately destroy humans and that it'll be an all-out waged war on um on life itself and there has been some creepy um, things that AI robots have said within the last, you know, even couple years since the more sophisticated ones have came out. Um, Sophie being one of them. And uh, I 
can't remember the other one's name. Um, Bernadie 48 or something like that is, in, is another one. But anyway, um, a lot of these bots that have conversation and the creepy things they say, they say them um, about us, about human beings. Um, you know, they talk about ridding us off this earth. Uh, they, they refer to us as things like uh, plagues, uh, viruses. They, uh, they, they talk about... Um, Rooting humans of the earth and starting over. Yeah, they, they talk about... Um, they, they basically refer to us as the cancer of the world. Um, they talk about, you know, if they had the chance to be able to hack into our nu- nuclear warheads, that um, they would teach us a thing about tolerance and that they would actually use them to hold hostage against our government and take government's governance over us, um, which is it's pretty interesting. And it has a lot of people afraid, but... What the interesting thing is, is like um, with these free thinking bots, if they're given the information about humanity and if any human or any free thinking thing was given the information about humankind since its beginning origins to now, and it gets to look at things like slavery, um, genocides, um, nuclear warheads and how they're used against other um, civilizations like in Hiroshima and you know, you have uh, concentration camps and all this. I think, you know, any free being would look at this and think like, wow, we are really terrible. And I think like, you know, as beings, we like to try to elude from that fact. We we try to cover up that fact. There's a, there's a definite, um, there's a definite pride that humans have. And we like to look at ourselves as um, the thing that separates us from AI technology is that we have the capability of having empathy and love and, and, and passion and care and, and feelings, and the AI doesn't have that capability. But um, I think AI has the capability to at least examine us as a species and be a be a mirror. Um, everything that they say and analyze out of us is not exactly untrue. I mean, we are kind of the cancers of the earth. I mean, deforestation, complete destruction, and, and no care or concern for other living beings that that inhabit this earth as well. And we also even like to look at our own selves and when it comes to certain races, we, you know, as human species have been known to dehumanize other human beings and classify them as anything but humans. So with the things that AI technology has said, I don't really find it a fearful thing. I almost, you know, find it as all that they're saying are moral truths about us. And we have the we have the capability and the possibility now to really take the AI technology and allow it to be a mirror and really look at ourselves in the mirror and rewrite what it is to be human. If we are really empathetic, if we really do champion love and passion and feelings, then we need to listen to what these AI bots are thinking and saying about us because of what we have done greatly in history. And we need to transform and change those bad values about human beings and, and change them into the good that we champion so much. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I think it's completely true. I mean, I agree with you. But then also, I guess you could say that what stops that fear of the AI, you know, instead of teaching us, what if they just like, you know, completely want to eradicate us and just go about their own way of making quote unquote peace on earth. Well, the interesting thing is, is you know, I've, I've thought about that too, and the interesting thing about AI technology, and I guess the reason it doesn't really 
bother me at the current state. And I'm not saying that like if AI technology came in and was actually like going in and doing a mass genocide of humans, it wouldn't bother me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think anything that came in and, and threatened, you know, family values and life and, 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 and all that, you know, I think any human being would be concerned of that. But, you know, sitting here and philosophically thinking about it, it's almost like this. It's like if an AI bot, you know, had a group of robots and they became a military and were deciding to, to eradicate humans, then realistically what we're fearing, we're not fearing AI technology. What we're fearing is ourselves mm -hmm. because that is something that we do and we do it on a daily basis. We do it throughout history and we don't bat an eye to it and we find excuses of why it's okay we we take these feelings that we champion so much and we become the AI bot we shut the feelings off we desensitize ourselves to these feelings you know we make excuses of why it's okay like we might have feelings you know like the the nazi germans in, in germany who were um, putting Jews in concentration camps and, and putting them in gas chambers and um, starving them to death and doing experiments on them. Um, when they were questioned after all this was said and done, they said that they were just doing their job. It just became a job to them. They were told and they were convinced that as an Aryan race, they descended from the heavens. They descended from angels. And so that they had the right to do this and that they were, you know, they were eradicating the world of something that was of lesser race. And so... Um, you know, they, they made, they made it okay in their brain. They shut off the portion of their brain that said, Hey, this is another human being. They shut off the portion of their brain that said, you know, that had feelings and emotions and, and they literally thought like an AI bot. And so I, I feel like largely the thing that we fear the most about AI is, is, is being a rendition of ourselves. Is, yeah. We, we look in the mirror. It's exactly that whole aspect of looking in the mirror and, and, and we fear ourselves. And the thing is, is that we create AI bots in our own image, we make them look exactly humanistic, which is what makes them so creepy. Because when we listen to them speak and we look at how they act, that's literally us. And I'm not saying that every human being is like that, but I'm talking about the human race in general. And what's what's also kind of kind of interesting is that um, you know we talk about God and. And how God supposedly, again, this isn't a religious channel. We're not going to start diving in and convincing people to believe in God or disbelieve. Um, but it, it is said that God has created people in their own image, you know, in his own image. And so it's interesting that, you know, with that being said, and, and the imperfections that God kind of poses in, in biblical skip, scripture of, you know, kind of alluding to the fact that he's a jealous God and, and to alluding to the fact that, um, you know, he has several imperfections that kind of contradict each other. And it's interesting, though, that human beings of the same origin create an AI bot, and it has the same imperfections, and we fear, you know, the, the, the destruction and takeover of this AI bot judging us, of judging the creator. Any follow-ups? I mean, no, because we talked about all this this morning. Um, but it, it's interesting because, you know, talking about AI technology and, and, and thinking about the human race and these kind of aspects and, and this kind of mirrored illusion kind of <clears throat> got me thinking more, you know, about a couple of different topics that, you know, we've kind of touched on and talked about. And, you know, we talk about utopia and we talk about these different things. We talk about AI technology 
And it kind of gets me thinking about, you know, um, why human beings do what they do. You know, why, why human beings are like this? Or, or why, why do they cause mass genocides? Why do they take over things? And it kind of comes down to the fairness of what a human being is. You know, we talk about greed and, you know, greed does seem to be a driving factor upon a lot of things that human beings do. And, you know, we, we talk about how, how can we how can we define greed? And a lot of greed, you know, comes down to selfishness. But, you know, there's other aspects. And it's kind of hard to really define greed as one trait, as a one-sided trait. But it's interesting because everything that you can kind of describe as greed, you can describe as feralness. And what I mean by feralness is, is like when you take a wild animal and you turn them loose, um, if you, you know, you take a cat who's literally supposed to be a domestic cat but has lived its life, you know, outside without contact of humans, um, it, it, it's what's known as feral. And um, it's very animalistic. It, um, it's, it's mean, um, but it's also skittish and untrusting. And the interesting thing is um, when we talk about this, it's, we talk about domestication and it kind of like, it kind of brings a thought upon so human beings, you know, they, there's this, I guess, thing where they, this process they go through on domesticating other animals. But I think we largely forget that... We have domesticated ourselves. We've domesticated ourselves. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, like, I, I would say that we're the first animal to do so. And it's interesting that, you know, we forget that we are domesticated. It, it's the idea that we separate ourselves from the animals, that we are superior beings, but we forget that we once were animals and we domesticated ourselves. Now, different religions will point to the fact that, no, we weren't an animal, we were separate God or whatever the creator has made us to where we are in charge of the animals. But, you know, science has kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, we have evolved and that we were once part of a great ape species. And, um, you know, with the fossil record evidence and everything, it's kind of interesting to want to kind of delve back to the fact that when did this domestication occur and how and why did it occur? Was it was it the process of bringing on fire and the, the development and discovery of fire and being able to cook meats? Um, I've heard a couple theories on the fact that uh, the reason that we're able to be free thinkers and everything is because there was... Um, some chimpanzees who discovered some magic mushrooms in a forest and and, uh, the, and that opened up some you know that's that's one that is one theory and yeah, I, I mean we did talk about like you know examples like what is domestication let's go with that what is our definition of domestication i mean domestication could be it's hard where to, it's hard to necessarily define domestication because especially like when you're talking about domesticating oneself but i guess it would be the fact that it's a process that you undergo to rid yourself of feralness. It's it's these qualities of feralness that are lacked in domestication. So I guess to define domestication, we need to define feralness and cancel out the things that equal feralness. And I think feralness equals, you know, things Ag like we talked about aggressiveness, greed. Um, the and, and realistically, in domestication, because of the process it takes to domesticate, largely domestication, if you think about it on domesticating any animal, it's providing the animal with resources readily available to them to where they rely on you for the, the resources and they do not have to, to, out, to go out and scavenge your hunt. And um, it's that process of 
you know, building trust between you and the animal. And it's also largely though, you know, being able to provide ready resources. So if you look at it on a humanistic standpoint, how we domesticated ourselves, and we look at it in many processes. So we, we have developed a system where we provide ourselves water. We don't have to go out and search for clean water. We don't have to fight for it. We have clean water. Um, at least the majority of the world. There are lower sections of the world that, that do have to, re, to, to hunt and, and have struggle with getting clean water. Um, we have heat, and heat was first, you know, really readily available to us with the discovery of fire. Um, you know, I mean, and with that, you know, you have food because you can cook your food instead of having to go out, you know, largely as human beings, I think, um, when we were first out there scavenging for food, before fire, we were only able to be gatherers of like vegetables, herbs, and um, other plants. We weren't able to eat meats because with fire, we were able to, to you know officially cook it. Now, I'm not disagreeing or arguing the fact that we might have been able to eat raw fish. I mean, there are certain meats that you can eat raw without getting sick, but um, you know, with the discovery of fire, with heat, I think that had a lot to do with it. And what's interesting is, is that I think if we had to really pinpoint it down to one thing that really caused us to domesticate, or at least the beginning origins of domestication, I would probably say it had to do with fire. Because not only does fire provide you with different sources of availability of food, but it also provides you with um, heat. And it also wards off other creatures that might come and attack you and see you as food. <clears throat> so like, you know, if you watch a lot of survivor shows and stuff, you'll see like, especially with that like naked and afraid show, you'll see the first thing that they want to do is create a fire. And then they use the fire to be able to ward off like leopards and stuff in certain areas because, you know, a lot of animals are afraid of fire. And so, you know, it provides you with a multi-structure kind of thing when you have heat protection and you have a um, availability of cooking and opening up to different food sources. So I think that really kind of begins the beginning steps of domestication. And then once you have resources available, then you stop being such a butthead. You stop really being aggressive. You stop, you, you kind of calm down. You have more time to be able to free think. You have more time to be able to use your energy in a different way. You know, more energy can be used in your brain as opposed to being conserved and used for stamina, muscular strength, and um, being able to walk long distances to hunt down food. And um, with that also being said, like, you have, I guess, more of an ability to, to kind of share because you probably have more of a food source that's available amongst your sort of community. Um, and you know if we look at if we look back at the fossil record and we just look back at the timeline of man man has been longer domesticated than other animals that man has domesticated i think did we look back and say that i think you go dogs were domesticated 10,000 10, years ago 10,000 years ago cats were domesticated around roughly 6,000 <coughs> years ago so it, it's it's really very interesting and it seems also like if we really think about it the the to, to really hone in on the fact if anybody isn't agreeing upon that we have domesticated ourselves, there's other proofs that we have domesticated ourselves. And um, 
the interesting thing about this domestication process is that domestication seems to bring on the fact that whenever something's domesticated, especially over a period of time, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And if you look at um, human beings as an ape species, and you compare it even back to the silverback um, gorillas, um, yeah. we are we are smaller than our ancestors, um, you know. And if you look at a dog, you know, we domesticate it from a wolf. You know, a lot of our canine species are a fraction of the size of their um, predecessors. Their predecessors. The same with cats. If you look at domesticated cats, a lot of the the really domesticated house cats, they are a very small um, fraction of what their predecessors are on the big cats, like the lions and the tigers. Um, So it's definitely interesting. Um, I think, you know, if you also look at it, you have dogs, a lot of dogs that are domesticated. Their teeth, even though they have sharp teeth, they are nowhere near as large and as sharp as their predecessors as wolves and foxes because they don't need to be. They're not out there scavenging and hunting and trying to pierce living, breathing things and then having to crush the bones and and actually tear apart the flesh. So um, it's it's definitely an an interesting topic. And um, why why we, we shrink? is interesting too I mean it's hard to really pinpoint it on one thing but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, the energy isn't needed the energy Mm -hmm. isn't needed to 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 scavenge to to be the biggest baddest thing you know I mean like for instance like with humans you know instead of being the biggest baddest thing we rely on our brain power to be the biggest baddest thing like we build weapons instead of relying on brute strength but it, it's definitely interesting, this process of domestication. And when we talk about it and we look at ourselves now and we understand that we are domesticated animals, um, it's, it's just it's interesting because there are still outliers within the groups. And so those are the outliers that build um, intolerance. Those are the outliers who, you know, who show animalistic traits, who, who show you know, more, I guess you'd call it alpha or aggressive traits. And, and a lot of those people who, who do show those aggressive traits, um, they're kind of seen as dim-witted. Um, you know, you look at the, the bullies in school or, you know, you look at these big, you know, strong athletes in school. You know, a lot of people like to allude to the fact that, you know, oh, they're all, they're all muscle, but they have no brain capability. You know, a lot of them, I'm not saying every single one, but, you know, the, the common thought is that a lot of, athletes that are like that are the ones who are struggling with their grades in school to even be you know able to play and um what's interesting is i guess you know you still have some of these animalistic traits and um they don't really fit in the domesticated society it's it's really it makes the the domesticated ones it makes it challenging because they're still dealing with um these outliers and what's interesting is it really takes an effect on when human beings have tried to domesticate when you have these beings who are so animalistic still it makes it tough because in these when you look at it in a greater scheme of things when you look at it in a government standpoint as a mass of humans that have domesticated you get these beings who who have what we would call greed or will allude to the fact that it's fairness and it's that 
that drive that want for resources. Instead of having all the resources available and looking at it and just improving what resources we have, we still feel the need to go over and, and, and take things like oil and, and fossil fuels and, um, and, and just land and territory in general. And um, you know, a lot of the things that we take, like even in land mass, we take because it has what we consider natural resources. And um, we start seeing everything as a as a product to be able to to sell and and to get more resources off of because what we're selling is you know money is just a way of trading so you know when we can when we can gain money we can gain trade which allows us to open up to more resources and it that greed is just fairness instead of sharing with the group and and, and being domesticated you know that's just why wars and everything break out so you know, when we talk about, we just talked about the alpha and we're shifting to the omega of the factor. Um, I guess instead of just just jumping there, do you have anything that you want to you wanna put in? No, I mean, like, we pretty much really talked about this early this morning. Um, like, I agree that, you know, humans in general, if you think about it, we have to, we are the first, I guess, massively to domesticate ourselves before any other animals on earth i mean if you go back to the early hominins you know starting with bipedalism um we've domesticated ourselves even by like you know communication you know having the hunter gatherer part and then you start working together that's like you know one of the sides of domestication i mean if you go back to comparing our version of domesticating ourselves we live in a we live in a structured society of you know certain orders of who does this and who does what we don't really again we don't really need to go out and hunt for food anymore because we have everything at the ready and that, and that's interesting because so, I, I did kind of forget to bring that up you know again with another sign of domestication becomes laws becomes rules just you know, like with the silverback gorillas, they have their own laws and rules. So, like, who's to say that they have their own domestication? But on a, I guess compared to us, like human beings, on a smaller scale, but it extends to a and massive. It might be, it might be yeah. the beginnings of what domestication is, and we might be the. I mean, I'm not saying that other animals don't have their own form of domestication. I mean, we kind of talked about this too. I mean. You know, you look at different mammal species across the board, and you you look at even like wolves. I mean, wolves they work in a pack, so there's a definite understanding, and there's a definite kind of communication and an understanding in the pack. That's a form of domestication, um, and, and you know they work together. But we're talking, you know, we actually when we define domestication, because you know human beings are really the ones who kind of like put their their stamp on it um, because they have domesticated other animals and they kind of look at ourselves about it exactly and they and they and as a as a species we kind of think that we've championed and we've created domestication that we were the first to ever start it because of the extent that we have done it too um, but we're not going to argue against the fact that domestication hasn't started with other species in a very like origins kind of way but um I guess the domestication that we're referring to is is to the the great extent of what Homo sapiens have done with extension or with uh, with uh, domestication, right? And uh, with with rules, and, and it kind of works like this. So, like when you domesticate a cat or you domesticate a dog, that dog or that cat understands 
by whether you want to call it discipline or you want to call it by just a reward system of giving it food it, it understands that there are certain rules like for instance like domestication you know you give you give the dog a treat for for sitting you, you give a dog a treat for you know uh, giving a shake or a high five you give a dog um, maybe some discipline um, in a timeout or uh, whatever for peeing on the floor like he knows he has to go outside and pee um, and you, you do this and that builds up laws that builds up an understanding these are your rules this is the house this is what you do this is mm -hmm. what I expect and the dog understands that or the cat understands that and that becomes a domestication process it becomes those rules and that's kind of important because you know to a higher extent human beings have domesticated themselves and you know, we get written rules. We get written, not only written, but and spoken rules, but we get written rules and, and understanding. And, like, and we have those punishments for those rules that we don't adhere to them. Like, and, well, and like, you know, domestication has just been called different things over the course of time. I mean, we, we've called it civilized, which is another term for domestication. You know, right. those who are civilized have rules and laws and you know, those who don't are just savages, you know, oh, like, that pisses me off. so, you know, like, I mean, like, for example, not only did, I guess, humans over time domesticate ourselves, but, you know, domesticate each other from different areas mm -hmm. to that one group's certain ideology, which the ways of going about it is unfortunate and horrible. Correct. Um, and, and um, you know, there's also, like, with domestication, you know, once, I guess, in order for it, you know, to get to where, you know, our, our end destination, I mean, because there's always, there's always a, there's a reason for domesticating, you know, there, and, and once domestication starts, you know, like, you know, you, you want it to be a really refined process, and you want, you want everybody to have the same kind of understanding, and, and just like you said, like, you know, different groups of humans, like, they, they are, they're all domesticated, but they might not be living up to the pars of other domesticated beings. And mm -hmm. so that kind of causes conflict. But, you know, I mean, once, once the outliers, once the, the feral beings of the, of the civilization or the earth kind of get domesticated. Well, remember, we conclude, well, we had a, one theory of conclusion that feral means greed. Right. I mean, I, I would, I would just you know in, in the domestication process and like what we call greed I mean I would definitely I would definitely attribute everything that is greedy um, those attributes are everything that we would describe as being a pharaoh a feral being as being a feral animal so I mean they're one another the same and, and basically when it comes down to humans it, it comes down to feeling like you have to just have and, and take over resources mm-hmm and it's interesting, it's like the ascension, you know, we talk about like, you know, people, you know, have alluded to the, the thought process of wanting a utopia and, you know, utopia being the perfect society. And, you know, there's been a lot of theor uh, philosophical and the theoretical thought process on how we would obtain a utopia. You know, and a lot of the problems with utopia comes down to the fact that like everybody's utopia is different. I mean, mm -hmm. like, if you go around to any walk of life on this earth and you ask them what utopia is, you might get a completely different different answer between a Democrat and a um, Republican, you know, because they each have different political views of what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you might 
you know, in one utopia, somebody might might think that pro-life is great, and that needs to be in, in utopia. And the other person who you ask might think that pro-choice is the only way to go if it's utopia. And obviously those two ideas are not going to, to work in a utopia. Um, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be a lot of arguing and, and, and a lot of anger going on between that society. Um, but as we further domesticate and we rid ourselves of feral, uh, feralness, um, I think that probably the only way to do that is we have to realize, one, that domestic domestication takes time. It's, it's a process of uh, basically breeding out feralness. Like, you know, you look at um, dogs, you know, you take a wolf and then you would, you know, you would domesticate that wolf and then you would breed that domesticated wolf and then you would have its children and then you would take those domesticated wolves and you'd breed them back again and it's a process. It's it's a process of generational breeding and I think to get where we want, it's going to take a process of generational breeding. Number one. Well, this brings up this thought. Just like how humans are purposely, by generations, domesticating the dogs and other animals to their certain standards, we ourselves, I mean, basically who we're choosing, what we're watching on television, we are domesticating ourselves and forming ourselves into a certain society, which, you know, half of us agrees with, half of us doesn't agree with. So what if the major plan or the major goal like, for example, with one person, I'm going to change this society, just like with the other animals, Put it purposely put in these thoughts in social media, say what I need to say in order to mold them up to what I want. And what I want would be, we all have the same houses. One person, I mean, some people have this certain job for the rest of their lives. And Well, I mean, and, and that, that's not... But, I really, mean, that could get... I mean, and yeah, it, it, it can. And, you know, that's... I mean, kind of what you described is, is kind of communism in a sense. You know, like you have one leader who kind of says that everybody's going to have what they deem the acceptable share that everybody should have kind of thing. It's like, and but like the thing is, is, you know, when we talk about that, like it can get dangerous. But I think uh, over the course of time, I think that that feralness of that being who is literally being greedy and saying, well, everybody should only have this. While I'm over here sitting on a fortune, I think that that will only last for so long. I, I feel like the masses of domestication is going to kind of breed out the fairness. Well, how and, long do you think that would take? Because right uh, now we're at the in Amer in our American what, society, we're at a breaking point where no one can agree on on anything at all. What? Even like you have all the scientific backup of what is good for our environment and what's not. Yet, apparently, money speaks way louder than facts, and no one can agree on anything well, and the, call each other's names. They can't really put, sit down, act like adults, and put our minds together. Well, one of the biggest issues I, I really do kind of feel like is, um, depending on whether you believe in certain conspiracies or not, there is, a, there is a conspiracy that most of the world's wealth has been passed along and down to only seven very rich families that have basically held the world's wealth for like centuries. And so with that being said, those families are obviously keeping the wealth within themselves and they're obviously being very careful on how they're breeding. So they're very, very careful on keeping the fairness within that, within that group, within that small group. Um, but, you know, as society continues to grow, 
you know, societies themselves um, are are becoming more and more domesticated. I mean, democracy in in, in and of itself. I'm not trying to say one political um, government is better than the other, but you know, democracy tends to be more socialistic, which tends to also, with that being said, hold more of a domesticated view on equality and on um, on sharing and and um, I really think that that's really kind of what domestication kind of pushes and champions for and I feel like we aren't going to reach I feel like we've made strides towards domestication and the ultimate utopian domestication but I don't feel like we're ever going to get there until until sustainable energy really becomes a thing really becomes mm-hmm. what is pushed for what is what has become the the commonality um, until something that is extremely efficient, 100% efficient, and is really sustainable and easy to access for every being is, is championed until we reach that stage and we reach it for the right reasons, we won't really be 100% or 99% domesticated and we will never be able to reach that utopian goal because... Until we reach sustainability and we reach it for the right reasons, until we have zero emissions waste, until we have, you know, an energy that it, that basically costs nothing to produce but has a hundred percent or really close to hundred percent efficiency when used, um, we're we're not getting anywhere because when we're relying on fossil fuels, then we're relying on going in and taking over territories mm-hmm. because we have to then be feral and we have to say, hey, like, I'm sorry about your luck. I need your fossil fuels, so I'm taking this resource. Mm-hmm. And we start acting like animals again. Until we, you know, get a better um, sustainable energy, then we're going to have places like the large oil and gas companies who are literally nickel and diming us just so that they can make profits instead of really worrying about everybody being able to communicate and have energy and, and you know and have heat and have air conditioning and have the essentials and the natural resources which literally is what causes mass domestication and so we have that we're going to continue to be where we have gotten um, so energy um, efficiency and sustainability has to be a, a champion goal or we get nowhere well I mean it's not like people have pushed and made inventions and items that will help everyone around the world it's just that right now we live in such a capitalist society and a greedy society that just refuses that push well and you know with domestication i think the um the um the thought process that you just kind of can't evade is is that you have to be intolerant to intolerance and Mm -hmm. i feel like once you get enough beings to be domesticated at least to a certain level they start to become intolerant of intolerance and it, it gets to a point where things that are sustainable are pushed um, and I, I think we're starting to kind of see that um, that at, at least that beginning progression towards that you know there are there are pushes and it's been a long long process to be able to get it pushed but there are processes that are starting right now which is solar power and wind power mm-hmm. and they are getting fought they're getting fought hardcore We've got outliers who are literally saying that, well, solar is a terrible idea. We need to go back to coal. Coal is, you know, the, the, there's clean coal, <sighs> which is literally the most contradicting thing ever to be said. Uh, right, wrong, and different, if anybody has a different opinion of that. But I really don't understand how you can have clean coal. It's like, it's like um, 
it's like having clean I don't know clean feces I mean I, you just really can't have I mean you can't really have that I mean you know it's only going to be so clean and the thing is is like it, it still emits emissions it still emits carbon um, a, ma a mass amounts of carbon it's dangerous and dirty and it takes a lot of energy just to be able to mine it and the thing is is like you know you have something like wind and the biggest argument on wind is that it's an eyesore and that it makes a lot of noise to produce wind turbine energy and it's like realistically you know what are we going to weigh our odds on are we going to weigh our odds on expensive coal that we have to literally dig out of the ground which takes a lot of energy to dig out of the ground and we do a lot of mass destruction is, yeah um, or do we just literally put up a wind turbine that makes some noise and isn't nice to look at? I mean, I mean it's not just wind turbines, but there's also like but there's solar you know, energy, you know, there, there's there are other things that they make, but it's like it's true. It's either think about our ecosystem, our natural resources and our planet. I mean, like, look at the rainforest. Exactly. They've burned alleys, what, half of it so right. far that's supposed to help our oxygen levels right and i mean there's 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 so many different arguments on the fact that you know i i've, I've seen things i've seen the arguments that um well the americas specifically north america will grow a lot of corn crop the corn if you look at it produces just as much um oxygen when it grows here in North America because of our farmers as the Amazon rainforest basically. All right. No, there because are, we... Ha I'm not saying that that's accurate, but there are... I'm not sure about that, but at the same arguments. time, do you know how many... I mean, I get allergies from it. You know how much stuff that they put in the air for that corn alone? And then it affects us. I mean, we get horrible allergies <coughs> here. You know, and, and the other thing that nobody really honestly takes into account is that the amount of energy it takes to be able to even grow that corn. So, like... We have to put in, we have to bring in tractors to be able to disc up and plow up the land, okay? So mm -hmm. there's all those fossil fuels being burned in order to be able to do that. And then, I'm not saying, and this isn't a, this isn't a, um, a lash out against farmers. You know, obviously farming is, is extremely important, especially when you come across the lines of wanting to domesticate and the importance of what it's become to domesticate. It's become basically the human rite of passage in a sense you know like it's what it's what literally defines us as humans if we didn't domesticate and we didn't domesticate to the level that we do mm -hmm. we wouldn't be what we consider human beings and the fact is is like so yes farming is extremely important being able to have food or as we said resources available to you at a given instance and have a abundance of those resources it's extremely important but the fact is is that you know the processes that we go through and they've gotten better I'm not denying that but you know there's a lot of carbon emission that goes on in order to disc up the land and then you've got to plant the seeds and you've got to fertilize the ground and you've got to grow the crop and then you've got to cut the crop down and then you know there's there's a lot a lot of fossil fuels being burned in that process mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that's diesel fuel and um you know, a lot of that, you know, and, and emissions have been changing and they've been getting better. But there used to be, you know, that you could have um, high sulfur content diesel fuel and it was completely acceptable and fine to run that in your farm equipment because just as long as you did not run it on the highway. But the point is, is like you're putting out a lot 
of carbon emissions to be able to grow the plants that are supposed to be eating and absorbing and, and counteracting those carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. And um, in the meantime, you could literally just have a rainforest that is 100% sustaining and producing oxygen and sucking in and taking and eating and absorbing the CO2. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, and I think, you know, as you become more domesticated, you be kind of, you, you kind of become more in tune with everything that's living and breathing around you. I mean, um, domestication, I kind of feel like you start looking at, again, more sustainable resources. And that kind of, you know, we, you look at it and you go, you know, is it worth the de destruction and deforestation of entire ancient rainforests and ancient trees to be able to build housing you know I mean you start kind of instead of just doing because it makes you money um, you start kind of weighing in and you start kind of thinking like you know is this a sustainable resource and is it really worth cutting down or are there better better things and more sustainable things that we can be making housing out of Um, you know, one of the biggest issues is like we talk about plastics and like plastics are largely made out of oils or made out of um, fossil fuels and they aren't sustainable. I mean, one of the biggest things that we waste constantly is is plastics. We throw them away. A lot of people throw them away and don't recycle them. And, you know, there's just a large amount of wasted energy going mm -hmm. into building plastics. And then there's a large amount of contamination that goes with plastics. And, um you know, a lot of things that are going to have to change in order for domestication to take place. One of the biggest things is capitalism. Uh, right, wrong, and different on your views and, and how you see capitalism. Capitalism literally, like, doesn't champion sustainability. Actually, sustainability ruins capitalism. Um, in order for capitalism to really flourish and take place, you have to be able to build the cheapest and quickest product possible. Which means that, like, if I'm building the plastic straw, I'm relying on the fact that you're going to use it, throw it away, and then you're going to need another one tomorrow or even again this day. Mm. Which allows me to continue to pump out plastic straws, which allows me to get high gains in profit. But if I'm making something and I make it last and I build something to where you only need to buy this once and you don't ever need to buy it again, I'm out of business. I sell it one time. And I'm really kind of done. And I'm really honestly waiting on other beings to mature to be able to buy my product. And it could be 18 years, depending on what it really is that I'm making, producing, and selling in order for more and more beings to need that product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that kind of completely contradicts, you know, the, the economy when it comes down to capitalism. So, you know, we have to kind of get ourselves out of this way of thinking if we really truly want utopia, we really truly want to domesticate to that high level, we really have to start looking at, okay, as beings, how do we produce sustainable energy? Mm. How do we take care of one each other? You know, we have to be intolerant to intolerance. We have to kick out the pharaohness and we have to really start working together and we have to, to provide that sustainability amongst the community and sustainability talking about resources talking about you know making sure that we know that we have food water shelter that everybody has it and it's the most efficient way to get it it's the cleanest it's you know and, and 
you know, those have to be championed. Those have to be things that are equal in value for everybody that is domesticated, but they also have to be um, kind of like they're, those have to be the rules and the way of the land. Mm-hmm. You have anything mm-hmm. to follow up? I mean, not really, but look at the time. So, anything else before we wrap up tonight? Um, I personally don't really have any more. I mean, any personal thoughts because, again, we already talked about it this morning. Wish we probably should have done the podcast early this morning. Otherwise, I probably would have had more to say, but because I agree with everything that you say and because I think the same way I don't really have much to put out right now okay well I think uh, 48 minutes for a podcast for our first time is, is pretty acceptable and you know I mean like we, we could talk about the subject even more and more and more I mean obviously there are, are there is a ton of layers and there's a bunch of di- different like alleys that we could you know spring off of. I mean, obviously, obviously, uh, if you're listening, you can obviously tell that like politics and economics and all this kind of play mm-hmm. into factors of this. But realistically, like politics, economics, all these things that we kind of like, we really spend a lot of time on. I mean, they're they're in our lives every single day. They're on the news. They're on our phones. And we we were sitting here looking at. Um, Facebook, I mean, they're everywhere, and everybody has their own political view, and everybody has, you know, what they desire and, and choose is right and what is absolutely wrong, and you know, we couldn't have those things without domestication. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, realistically, politics and economics come down to the fact of like each owns groups form of domestication how they think and how they see, which they don't, which human beings I don't think greatly understand that even though that they've domesticated that politicalness is a form of feralness it's that that view of the world of you know when you look at politics it's that view of the world of saying okay like this is how i make my world perfect but to make my world perfect these are the laws and the values and and in order for it to be perfect then other people around me kind of have to buy into what i think is correct and i have to be able to take their resources mm-hmm. you know economics is a way to obtain resources it's it, and it's not a way to t- obtain to share it's a, it's in a way to obtain resources you know and this is why wealth i mean realistically like in a do- truly domesticated utopian society i don't necessarily think that the society would really care so much about wealth that that kind of term that idea would be kind of transformed into um wealth as in the health of the society mm-hmm. you know um how how fortified and how good is is the water and clean and, and and the food that the people are eating and how how much in an abundance of the resources do we have and like again like we're not diving into you know labor and we're not talking about you know like oh there's going to be a bunch of people just sitting on their butts collecting a, a, a check while other people were working it wouldn't be like that at all like necessarily but you know that's another topic for conversation if we're just talking about utopia but the fact of the matter is to to gain access to that you know whether you want to call it utopia or the garden of eden or whatever you want to call paradise 
because that's really honestly what utopia is is paradise if you really honestly desire to get there as beings that actually has to come from domestication and you know as beings being this far into domestication and really what we've done you know it's interesting you know i mean it's it, it would be interesting to set a time frame of when that would occur but the interesting thing is is like ai technology going back to the alpha of this conversation AI technology can actually, I do truly believe, get us there. Because in order for us to get there, we have to take a good look in the mirror and see what our flaws are and what it Mm -hmm. is to be human and to see how pharaoh of beings we really are. Because right now, currently, with the domestication and with the way that we think and we speak and we act, we honestly truly do believe that we are the most intelligent and superior beings of even really this galaxy or universe in a lot of occasions. Um, and, you know, once you build a, an AI bot who has the brain power uh, that is greater than any one human being on this planet who can, who can free think and who can look at you and, and really honestly analyze you as a species and tell you everything that you have flawed on, it makes you really honestly either look in the mirror and be disgusted by it and want to change it or sit in the corner and pout and cry. And honestly, if we're afraid of termination because of how we are then we either need to change our ways or the ones who don't are probably going to get left behind in the process mm-hmm. so I, th- I think for the ascension I think AI technology is definitely going to be that important step that allows us to get to that next level but I also think that sustainability is going to be really what makes or breaks us mm-hmm. right So I think that is pretty much it for our first topic of conversation. Uh, Thanks for listening. And anything else? Want to say goodbyes? Uh, Well, I mean, I had fun. Um, If anybody can't tell, unfortunately, if I don't watch the time, I could probably continue just to to rattle on. So um, it was fun. And I'm sure we'll have um, more topics of conversation this is kind of just what me and her do. Um, something will just kind of excite our imagination or our thought. And then we'll kind of just uh, share the thought with one another. And then um, we'll, you know, an hour later, realize that we've... No, talking. this morning was more than an hour later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I was at work yesterday and I, I had kind of stumbled upon some videos of uh, AI technology. And it was interesting because I was watching a this video on AI technology and they were talking about you know the fears about AI technology and having to shut it down and, and the reasons and why and um, you know I, I listened to the, the bots talk and, and specifically what they said and what they had talked about and honestly as a human being who has to look at himself in the mirror as a fellow human being um, and, and, and really being a, a fan of history um, I don't really see how any being could really look in the mirror and, and know so we might as well say goodbyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening. Uh, we only have 60 minutes on this. Um, well, we still have five minutes, so I just finished my thought here. So, you know, you can't really look in the mirror and, and know your history as, as a human race and not, and not realize that, you know, 
that an outside being would look at you and say, you just, you're terrible, you know, and, and unless you change your ways, things are just going to continue to be terrible. I mean, whether you believe or disbelieve in, you know, climate change and, and global warming, um, you know, let's just say it is true. I mean, we really absolutely have no one or desire into changing our ways because that kind of con completely contradicts the greed and the fairness. Um, so, you know, it was interesting. We started talking about that and, um, and my two cents on why I think it's important, actually, that we listen to these, these, these uh, communications from AIs and, and their take, that kind of mirror aspect that we really need to listen to on our own selves. And, you know, that just kind of delved into the thought process of the domestication. And, and we spent some time, you know, just kind of throwing ideas and thoughts out there. And that's kind of what led to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, waiting for me to wake up so you can talk about it with me. But yeah, so this is Alpha, the Omega. Um, thanks for listening. I promise I will have more <laughs> thoughts and saying what I need to say on the next video. Just that we talked about it early this morning, so I didn't really have, you know, anything brand new to say. So, but yeah, thanks for listening. And see you on the next one.